Chapter Fifty Three of the House by the Churchyard. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The House by the Churchyard by Joseph Sheraton Lefanu. Chapter Fifty Three, relating after what fashion Doctor Stirk came home as dangerfield having parted company with irons at the corner of the bridge was walking through the town with his rod over his shoulder and his basket of troutlings by his side his attention was arrested by a little knot of persons in close and earnest talk at the barrack gate nearly opposite stirk's house he distinguished at a glance the tall grim figure of oliver lowe of lucan the sternest and shrewdest magistrate who held the commission for the county of dublin in those days mounted on his iron-gray hunter and holding the crupper with his right hand as he leaned toward a ragged shaggy little urchin with naked chins whom he was questioning as it seemed closely half a dozen gaping villagers stood round there was an indescribable something about the group which indicated horror and excitement dangerfield quickened his pace and arrived just as the adjutant wrote out saluting both as he advanced dangerfield asked nothing amiss i hope gentlemen the surgeon here's been found murdered in the park answered low hey stirk said dangerfield yes said the adjutant this boy here says he found him in the butcher's wood the butcher's wood why what the plague brought him there exclaimed dangerfield tis his straight road from dublin across the park observed the magistrate oh i thought twas the wood by lord mountjoy's said dangerfield and when did it happen pooh some time between yesterday afternoon and half an hour ago answered mr low nothing known said dangerfield twill be a sad hearing over the way and he glared grimly with a little side nod at the doctor's house then he fell like the others to questioning the boy he could tell them but little only the same story over and over coming out of town with tea and tobacco a pair of shoes and a bottle of whiskey for old mrs tresham in the thick of the wood among brambles all at once he lighted on the body he could not mistake dr stirk he wore his regimentals there was blood about him he did not touch him nor go nearer than a musket's length to him and being frightened at the sight in that lonely place he ran away and right down to the barrack where he made his report just then out came sergeant bligh with his men two of them carrying a bier with a mattress and cloaks thereupon they formed and accompanied by the adjutant at quickstep marched through the town for the park mr low accompanied them and in the park lane they picked up the ubiquitous dr toole who joined the party dangerfield walked a while beside the adjutant's horse and said he i've had as much walking as i can well manage this morning and you don't want for hands so i'll turn back when i've said just a word in your ear you know sir funerals are expensive 
and i happen to know that poor stirk was rather pressed for money in fact twas only the day before yesterday i myself lent him a trifle so will you through whatever channel you think best let poor mrs stirk know that she may draw upon me for a hundred pounds if she requires it thank you mr dangerfield i certainly shall and so dangerfield lifted his hat to the party and fell behind and came to a standstill watching them till they disappeared over the brow of the hill when he reached his little parlour in the brass castle luncheon was upon the table but he had not much of an appetite and stood at the window looking upon the river with his hands in his pockets and a strange pallid smile over his face mingling with the light of the silver spectacles when irons hears of this he said he'll come to my estimate of charles archer and conclude he has had a finger in that pretty pie twill frighten him and somehow dangerfield looked a little bit queer himself and he drank off two small glasses such as folks then used in ireland of nance and setting down the glass he mused a queer battle life is aha stirk laid low the wretched fool widow yes children ay charles charles if there be a reckoning after death your score is an ugly one i'm tired of playing my part in this weary game of defence irons and i remain with the secret between us glasscock had his fourth of it and tasted death then we three had it and stirk goes next and now i and irons irons and i which goes first and he fell to whistling slowly and dismally with his hands in his breeches pockets looking vacantly through his spectacles at the ever-running water an emblem of the eternal change and monotony of life in the meantime the party with tim bryan the bare-shanked urchin still in a pale perspiration for guide marched on all looking ahead in suspense and talking little on they marched till they got into the bosky shadow of the close whitethorn and brambles and there in a lonely nook the small birds hopping on the twigs above sure enough on his back in his regimentals lay the clay-coloured image of stirk some blood nearly black now at the corners of his mouth and under his stern brows a streak of white eyeball turned up to the sky there was a pool of blood under his pomatumed powdered and curled head more under his right arm which was slightly extended with the open hand thrown palm upwards as if appealing to heaven tool examined him no pulse by jove quiet there don't stir then he clapped his ear on stirk's white marseilles vest hush in a long pause then tool rose erect but still on his knees will you be quiet there i think there's some little action still only don't talk or shift your feet and just just do be quiet then tool rose to his knees again with a side glance fixed on the face of stirk with a puzzled and alarmed look he evidently did not well know what to make of it 
then he slipped his hand under his vest and between his shirt and his skin if he's dead he's not long so there's warmth here and see get me a pinch or two of that thistle down you see and with the help of this improvised test he proceeded to try whether he was still breathing but there was a little air stirring and they could not manage it well said tool standing this time quite erect i i think there's life there still and now boys do you see lift him very carefully do you mind gently very gently for i tell you if this hemorrhage begins again he'll not last twenty seconds so on a cloak they lifted him softly and deftly to the bier and laid covering over him and having received tool's last injunctions and especially a direction to mrs stirk to place him in a well-warmed bed and introduce a few spoonfuls of warm port wine negus into his mouth and if he swallowed to continue to administer it from time to time sergeant bligh and his men commenced their funereal march toward stirk's house and now mr adjutant said low had we not best examine the ground and make a search for anything that may lead to a conviction well a ticket was found trod into the bloody mud scarcely legible and stirk's cocked hat the leaf and crown cut through with a blow of some blunt instrument his sword they had found by his side not drawn see here's a footprint too said low don't move it was remarkable they pinned together the backs of two letters and tool with his surgical scissors cut the pattern to fit exactly into the impression and he and low with great care penciled in the well-defined marks of the great hobnails and a sort of seam or scar across the heel twas pretty much after this fashion it was in a slight dip in the ground where the soil continued soft they found it in two other places coming up to the fatal spot from the direction of the magazine and it was traceable on for some twenty yards more faintly then again very distinctly where a sort of ditch interposing a jump had been made and here it turned down towards the park wall and the chapel is at road still however slanting in the dublin direction in the hollow by the park wall it appeared again distinctly and here it was plain the transit of the wall had been made for the traces of the mud were evident enough upon its surface and the mortar on top was displaced and a little tuft of grass in the mud left by the clotted shoe sole here the fellow had got over they followed and despairing of finding it upon the road they diverged into a narrow slip of ground by the river bank and just within the park gate in a slight hollow the clay of which was still impressible they found the track again it led close up to the river bank and there the villain seemed to have come to a standstill for the sod just for so much as a good-sized sheet of letter-paper might cover was trod and broken as if at the water's edge he had stood for a while and turned about and shifted his feet 
like a fellow that is uneasy while he is stationary from this standpoint they failed to discover any receding footprint but close by it came a little horse track covered with shingle by which in those days the troops used to ride their horses to water he might have stepped upon this and following it taken to the streets or he might and this was lowe's theory have swam the river at this point and got into some of those ruffian haunts in the rear of watling and st james streets so lowe who with a thief or a murderer in the wind had the soul of a nimrod rode round to the opposite bank first telling tool who did not care to press his services at Stirk's house uninvited, that he would send out the great Dr. Pell to examine the patient, or the body, as the case might turn out. By this time they were carrying Dr. Stirk, that gaudy and dismal image, up his own staircase, his pale wife sobbing and shivering on the landing, among whispered ejaculations from the maids and the speechless wonder of the awe-stricken children staring through the banisters to lay him in the bed where at last he is to lie without dreaming end of chapter 53 recording by john brandon